On Education is sponsored by Participate, a community learning platform where the world learns together. Later in the episode, we'll hear about one of Participate's communities, Teach the Global Goals, and how you can get involved in its free community learning opportunities with educators around the world. We will triangulate mission-critical culminating products across content areas. <laughs> That's what the hell? Is that? What does that even mean? <laughs> Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. My name is Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will debate our least favorite educational jargon. Discuss why women representation in university esports is still very low. And our guest this week is educator and author Jamie Donnelly. So it's funny, um, Jamie obviously is an expert at AR and VR. And um, well, I was while we were talking to her, I, I realized and I looked at my watch and Glenn, I need a hundred calories and 15 more exercise minutes um, um, to close all of my rings um, Hmm. for exercise today. So what I actually think I'm going to do, I'm going to do a bit of an experiment. I'm going to do Beat Saber for 20 minutes. And you can actually on an Apple Watch, if you click on the little exercise person, one of the options is called... Something like like video game, um, video game <laughs> exercise or something really? like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's actually it's actually believe it or not, it is an option That'd that be a you workout, can choose. Though. That is a workout to do a video game exercise. So I'm gonna set a video game exercise, um, and then I'm going to do Beat Saber, mm-hmm. and we're gonna see we're gonna see how it goes. I'm gonna see if I can get. Yeah, it's called fitness gaming is the option. So cool. I'm going to try yeah. fitness gaming uh, and we'll see if I close my rings. I'm not sure. I might have to hop on the Peloton, but we're about to find out. So <laughs> the, the Xbox 360 had a uh, had a little camera on it that wasn't very popular with people, but we had yeah, it. Yeah, the Kinect. Yeah. yeah. And it was um, and you were able to play all kinds of different games, including some fitness games. But then there were just some fun games that you could interact with. It was kind of like uh, the Nintendo um, with the little handles that you used to be able to go and do. I can't remember which Nintendo that was. The Wii. Uh, the Wii, yeah. Uh, but just controlling it with your body. Um, it was not super 100% accurate, but it was it was super fun to go ahead and do and a lot of exercise. There was a, plenty of things that you could do and build up a good heart rate. So, yeah, that should be interesting. So we'll see how much exercise I can get in in and see if I can get my hundred calories for on, sure, uh, for sure. on beat on Beat Saber. There's oh, you a boxing got this. there's a boxing game on Oculus as well. So hmm. um if Beat Saber's not doing it, I'll I'll maybe download the boxing game and we'll see how get that it. goes. So so what have you been watching? Uh, you wanna talk you wanna talk about a show. Yes. Um I didn't even put it on here because I wanted to surprise you. So, okay. Uh if you are a uh, fan of the On Education podcast, then you know that there was an episode um, uh, named after Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, as I am a big fan of that show, you know, Buffy. Um, and I think, <laughs> who who was that? Spike, uh, John, John Spike was actually on that episode because we were having a discussion with him. And I told him there's a very famous character in Buffy the Vampire Slayer named Spike. Anyway... This show reminds me of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I had seen it on Netflix, and it's a it's it's old news to people, you know, so it's not like it's a new show. Um, but it's definitely a show that I've been binge-watching uh, with my older son, who's in eighth grade, and it is called iZombie. And it is a combination of a uh, zombie show, kind of, right? Hmm. Um, as far as with the gore and stuff, but not scary because Glenn can't take scary. Um, and then kind of some smart aleck kind of reminding me of a Buffy uh, teenage-ish kind of humor. 
Um, mm. And it is hilarious and really good too. Really well done. A really interesting concept for a show. And I'm sure other people are listening to me out there and going laughing uh, as Glenn watches <laughs> random shows. This came awesome. from a specific channel uh, called the CW, which I think is just meant for adolescents. <laughs> But that's the kind of hits that Glenn watches on TV. It's right in your and, uh, wheelhouse, is it? Yes, this is this is right in my wheelhouse. I I really enjoy it. It's hilarious. God, that's funny. And I will be watching another episode or two tonight. So yes, I wanted to make sure I brought it up so people could laugh at me at the choice of uh, <laughs> shows that I watch. But if you're interested my- in those kind of shows, iZombie is nice. It's great. <laughs> my brother, my brother said that I should watch a show called Mythical Quest. Hmm. Um, it's on. Um, it's on Apple TV. He said. Okay. Um, and he said it's about an MMO design company. Okay. So I don't know if it's about making an MMO or if it's like a fiction about. You know, I haven't looked it up at all. Hmm. So I'm going to watch maybe like episode one of yeah. Mythical Quest tomorrow or maybe, maybe tonight. Maybe tonight, depending on how successful my Beat Sabering is. Sure. Um, and, and we'll see. But if anyone wants to weigh in on iZombie or, or <laughs> Mythical Quest, hit us up on the Twitters. We have such random stuff that we... <laughs> this is... This is... Or, this is the highlights of my of my existence yeah. right now. <laughs> or or if you want to challenge me on Beat Saber, if you have an Oculus Quest and you want to you want to friend uh friend list me on on Oculus, let's do that too so that sure. uh, I can have someone else to crush in Beat Saber. Um so so a really interesting article mm-hmm. um you know came out earlier in the week um on the weekend, just before the weekend, um, AP study, nearly 90%, 90% of esports scholarships are going to men, which, you know, doesn't seem surprising to me at all. But one of the, you know, so this is a super informative article about, you know, the disparity in, in, in the disparities in gaming and the disparities in scholarships and about gender diversity it's it's not surprising at all um and one of the uh, one of the things that i thought was super cool about this article is and this is how you know that we're talking to the right people when we talk about it and you know mm-hmm. when when we're talking to the people that we're talking to to learn more about this um two of the main um groups that are discussed in this article are both People who have either been on the podcast or are friends of the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Liminal Esports, which is run by Grace Collins and uh, tons of tons of the Snowbright Studios folks, um, and and they do amazing work here. So Grace is the CEO of Liminal Esports. Uh, Carrie is is there as well. She runs the um, esports edu twitter chat carrie works at liminal esports as well um so so grace's was interviewed for this and you're one of your favorite people in the whole world second only to me i'm sure um <laughs> dr dr chris haskell from boise mm-hmm. state was interviewed for this article as well yes um and it's like you just said it's a really informative and it's not just a opinion article or it's really it's heavy on the data so it's great it actually gives statistics it talks about uh, the laws that are in place that govern actual sports at the university level and how they currently um, don't affect esports yet and uh, things like title nine and so it's it's an important um, thing to be discussing and hopefully be able to make some forward progress on this disparity being addressed and this it's great um you know dr haskell talks about that when they go recruiting at boise state university that it's much more than just the ability to be able to play a game well that they look at a well-rounded character and what else can they provide to their community Um, and they actually did have uh, you know not a 50 50 split but they have 16 male players and five female players on their team which 
it's not amazing, but it's way better than <laughs> than the ninety ten split that that is currently um, the reality. And it yeah. should it, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing, and it's something that I bet you will start getting addressed by legislation that they will fall under Title IX. It has to. Uh, they're they're legitimate part of the university, um, you know, extracurricular, extra uh, curricular activities, and so I think that obviously legislation that governs uh, sports should uh, also govern these uh, esports. So it, it's a great article. We'll make sure we share it. Um, it's not a super long read, but it gives you a lot of information and it's super cool because they've been guests of the podcast and, and been able to share what they've been able to do related to esports in general. And, and Dr. Haskell from gamification to game based learning and then now to an esports coach of a, uh, division one, uh, school. That guy's a legend. I love that guy. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, we'll we'll put this in the in the show notes so that you can you can check it out and, and read it for yourself. It's it's pretty pretty fascinating stuff. Mm-hmm. So fun funny conversation. I didn't I didn't weigh in on this yet, and I've been thinking about it all day now. Funny conversation on on Twitter today between you and and some other folks about your least favorite educational jargon <laughs> or or things to say mm-hmm. I, and i i suspect that you have you have opinions on on this some pretty strong ones i imagine <laughs> um yes. what is your least favorite educational jargony thing first i mean on the top of my list is all acronyms in education they're terrible and one of the reasons why they're terrible is a lot of times we assume that incoming educators or just teachers that are just new to the profession, let's say the first five years, are aware of what all of these acronyms mean. And in the United States, my God, we have a ton of them. Uh, we have the IDEA Act. We have things like NCLB, the No Child Left Behind laws. Uh, President Obama had Race to the Top, except it wasn't called Race to the Top. It was called RTT or RTTT. T, a lot of T's on there then too. Lots of T's. Um, yes. The Common Core Standards. Uh, we have the CCSS. That's what they're they're usually designated as. You're like, what mm. the heck is that? Um, massively open online courses. They're called MOOCs. M O O C. MOOCs. My God, the Partnership for Assessment for of uh, Readiness for College and Careers. The PARC. Oh, P A R C C. Very common all the time. Um, and it goes on. My God, we have so many. Acronyms <laughs> in education is disgusting. That's that's number but one on my wanna, list. Just do you want to say them all by their like their full? No, but the you know International what? Of, Society for Technology yeah, and Education. I'll, no, I. But a lot of times we pretend. This is funny though. That this is this. I think this must happen in other professions, but for sure happens in teaching. The more of these types of things that you throw out when you're talking, and we've had guests like this. Not very many, but we've had a few guests. We're not going to name them, but where they're very jargony. There's just a lot of things coming oh, out of yeah. your mouth, right? You know who I'm talking about. Um, yeah. A lot of things are coming out of your mouth, but really in the end, you go, what did they even say? you like, there was no thing. It's just like, yeah. whatever it might be. But a lot of times, yeah. for especially for new teachers coming in, I think it's important to, especially when we're talking about things that are legislative acts, uh, things that protect our our uh, special education students um, and what do they actually mean you know that clarify what do they actually mean and what is you know what's your role as a teacher in these types of things we just love acronyms though right now so I think it's just kind of part, like education's part of of the obsession of everything being reduced to three or four letters or sometimes seven but all in a row smushed together MOOCs no, I, <laughs> I have MOOCs. <laughs> what are some that you that you dislike? Because I have a list. I have some other ones that I hate. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Give me one more. I have some that more. I really hate. The one that I one think more. that really ticks me off, and it was an obsessively used jargon um, okay. 
for, I want to say this lasted at least five years and maybe more, maybe 10 years. There was a lot of people that talked about grit, that there was this oh, thing yeah. that we You've needed to develop in our students, that yeah. we needed to develop this grit in our students. Mm-hmm. And ah, man, that just rubbed me the wrong way. Basically, it it was it 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 was this all encompassing all encompassing attribute that you wanted your students to go ahead and and be able to develop, and I hate it. Just like mm-hmm. I hate some some of these other terms <laughs> too, but that's one of the ones I'm like it's at the top of my list. I can't stand. What about you? Interesting. So, <laughs> so one is so both of these words I say all the time, okay. which you know. <laughs> I don't okay. I don't know what that means, but now that when I'm actually like sitting here reflecting and thinking about it, um, you know, for one of them for sure um, is a word that I'd like to stop or a phrase ish that I'd like to stop using real mm. soon. Okay. Um, and that's 21st century skills. Oh yes, that's one okay. of the ones, dude. Yeah, is it? Because that's one of the ones at the know, top of the list. So newsflash, <laughs> friends, we are one fifth of the way through the 21st century. <laughs> They're not, it's the 21st century is not in the future. The 21st century is now. Um, <laughs> uh, and the 21st century has been the 21st century for 21 years now. Yeah. So let's move on from thinking about things like they are in the future and let's just do them. And make the ideal. So I'm not opposed to the ideals of the 21st century skills. Mm. And I believe in the acquisition of the skills that we call the 21st century skills. Let's just stop calling them that. Yeah. Can, maybe we can just come up with a different name. A I'm, better name. I, I, just I, not an yeah. acronym, please, God. <laughs> maybe we should come up with an acronym for the 21st century skills. But... Have it not related to some nebulous idea of this is the future that our students should have and just it be that this is what our students should be demonstrating (laughs) as regular modern day skills right now. Mm -hmm. Um, The 21st century is not in the future. The 21st (laughs) century is now. One of the coolest things, Mike, that that we have to share with uh, with our listeners is education jargon is so prevalent that there's oh, yeah. even a, there's a site that will just automatically generate you just a bunch of garbly goop of education jargon and I'm going to I'm going to make sure we link it for our audience. Let me read you one that just was randomly generated. Right. This, I'm this excited sounds about this, this this sounds like a um you know it could come from we were, a book when we do like vision and mission, this kind of things, so you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, this yeah. sounds like one of those things. Here we go. I'm here Ready? for it. Let's do here it. Here we go. We will visualize performance-driven cohorts through the big ideas. <laughs> That's what the hell? Is that? What does that even mean? <laughs> someone, someone, someone's into that. I we will cultivate it. competency-based technologies through the exper- experiential-based learning process. <laughs> of course you will. Of course you will. We will triangulate mission critical culminating products across content areas. <laughs> the word products is the is the bad word in there. If it was a different word, everything else, everything else in that one was good. That was that was that, I could see that on a poster. I know that's what I'm talking about. This is all the poster <laughs> stuff, and all these were created yeah. with this website. You just throw in some things, and it just starts spitting out these these statements. So you got more. You got another one. Yeah, I got one more. Here we go. We will agendize innovative communities for our 21st century learners. There you go. <laughs> Fantastic. You know, you got to agendize, agendize for the 21st century learners. Because if you don't agendize <laughs> for them, you'll have no agenda. And, and you have to have innovative communities. <laughs> right. I mean, yes. that's literally the name oh of the game. God. <laughs> those those five sentences together are like that's your that's your your mission statement your, vision, your vision, yes. and yes, and yes. and your 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 goals to achieve it perfect absolutely i love absolutely. it yes um, so we will the share other, the, the other <laughs> the other word that um i wanted to to be a little bit hot takey and again yeah. 
it's literally in my job title, and that's the word engagement. No, engagement. Used all the time. I'm not sure people know what engagement means anymore all the time. No. no. I am, you know, we've seen some pretty messed up <laughs> things done in the name of engagement, True. especially in the last year, that um, are not about engagement. No. Um, you know, and just because kids are laughing doesn't mean they're engaged. Ooh, just because, I, ooh, I know what you're talking about, but I won't bring it up because I... Just because, <laughs> just because kids have their cameras on doesn't mean they're engaged. Very true. Very true. Just because kids are, are handing in their work yeah. doesn't mean they're no. engaged. No. I don't think the word means what you think it means anymore. Mm. And I'm it doesn't mean saying. the opposite, how people you weaponize the word too, Mike. They use it as entertainment. You know what I mean? They're, they equate those two things yes, together. It is not. And they're not. Entertainment. They're not. Actually, you should read um, Jordan Shapiro's book. He does a great job of distinguishing between entertainment and engagement and, and what, what, what are the two, how we do love to be entertained as humans and how it's different you know, how the two vary from each other. So you, sh the, it, it, there's uh, several different uh, references to that in, in his book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you get me into a meeting, for example, um, for work, you know, my, again, my title is director of engagement. So obviously mm. I have an idea of what engagement means. Um, and I'm also admittedly in the quote unquote edutainment business. This is mm. what we do a yeah. little bit. Um, so, um, but engagement is more than just being entertained mm -hmm. and it's, and, and it, and it means, you know, not just learning stuff, but taking what you've learned and, and applying it. And then sharing that out as well. Like, mm. so there's this circle. Um, and in at participate, you, you hear us talk all the time about what, what we call the inner loop and the outer loop and the co-construction of knowledge. And like, these are academic concepts, but you know, that uh, in particular, my realm of expertise at the company is this outer loop concept, but that's engagement. And um, it is not, it is not just making kids laugh. It, mm. that's, if you, if, if that's all you're aiming to do is, is be silly on camera so that your kids turn on their cameras, um, you've missed it. Sorry. You've missed yeah. the, you've missed the mark. So it's um, not entertainment and it's not compliance. That's another one that you were just basically describing too, that it's not just right. turning in something because you have to. That doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean that I've actually engaged with the materials and I'm I'm actually coming out, like you just said, full circle and able to go ahead and do something with that knowledge or even That's be right. passionate about that knowledge then next, you know, be able to go, hey, I'm excited about this. Let me share it. Let me do this. And Let me create with it now. Yeah. That's right. That's yes. right. So there's our there's some of our jargon. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's some of those sentences. We'll put the link to that generator in the show notes as well, sure. so that you can create your own. Listen, turn <laughs> these into tweets, man. And um, for sure, I'll I tell you if you go if you us, go please. to like social social jukebox or something and copied um, you know a dozen or, or or twenty of those into tweets and you tweet those out every day. You'll have ten thousand followers in a second to just just go and do that. You'll you crush it. That's that's social media strategy for you. Just uh, just put them out every day. Put them out every day. You'll sound just like the you'll sound just like the pros, um, <laughs> for sure. If that's your ambition, then then that's how you get there. Uh, oh friends, God. we had an amazing conversation with Jamie Donnelly about AR and VR, and she will be with us next. So stay with us. It is like a spider web. These diverse interconnected spaces help and inspire us to understand, empathize, and take local action in our schools. 
That's Yahaira Guedes, a facilitator within the Teach the Global Goals community on Participate. The community is home to hundreds of resources, courses, and educators around the world, collaborating on how to bring the United Nations' 17 Sustainable Development Goals into the classroom. With our students, and as a collective to be a powerful force to achieve the vision of a more peaceful, healthy, and equitable world. We'll hear more later in the episode from another community facilitator on why you should get involved. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Our guest has spent more than a decade at the classroom and district levels thinking about how educators can practically use augmented virtual and mixed realities. In her current role as an independent education consultant, she provides professional development on immersive technology to districts and at conferences. She also runs an awesome weekly Twitter chat about AR and VR in education. She's the author of the book, Learning Transported, which aims to tackle the fears and hurdles of immersive reality integration and get teachers on board with successful implementation. And she has an upcoming book, The Immersive Classroom. Welcome back for the second time to On Education, Jamie Donnelly. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So we used to consider, uh, Jamie, um, computers in the classroom, they were special. I mean, I remember when I was in school, computers were a big friggin' deal. If you had computers in your classroom, it was like, ah, and now it's commonplace, right? So we used to think, you know, and then we move on and we think, you know, using Google Slides, using Google Docs and all of that stuff was you know, next generation. It was all really exciting. And now it's just kind of good teaching. It's just good technology use. Um, we used to think Minecraft in the classroom was a bit of a gimmick um, and games-based learning was just a fad, but now it's this amazing tool in everybody's toolbox. So I'm curious what, or if there is anything stopping AR and VR from becoming not classroom novelties, which I think some people see them as now, just like some people saw those other things, but something that is classroom normality. I really hope so. I actually want it to become normality. Um, that I think is the goal is that we maybe aren't talking about it as just AR, VR all the time, but just technology, right? Um, I love what immersive technology has to offer, but I don't think it's always the solution either. You know, it, it really is about using any tool that we use, whether that be technology or not, and really understanding who our students are and what they need. And actually that's the point of the second book is I, you know, after writing the first one, it was that foundation of, you know, what is this technology? How do we use it? Why is this important? You know, where to start and where to begin? Um, but this next book, my, I, I think you're going to hear, it's not just me, you know, giving out information. I mean, you're going to hear the stories behind it. You're going to hear my passion behind it, my stories behind it, my children's stories, my friend's children, my student, past students, and all of those experiences of why this is an important technology. Um, but it really is about the personalization of these tools. So you'll hear about app smashing and hacking and um, just really making these tools more focused on what our individual students need instead of just putting out this general tool that it applies to everyone. Because I just don't think that's the way our classroom should function. All of our mm. classrooms should look different. We have different students in every class. So understanding where our students are at and how to make that any choice that you bring into the classroom focused on where they need to be and what tools they need to have access to and, and the best ways of, of approaching that learning objective for them and bringing it to the table. And AR VR is just one of them. It's funny because that's kind of like, um, um, I'm thinking about like the difference between the first book and the second book and more specifically, actually the time difference between the first book and the second book and thinking like, 
people saw you people saw me the same way and glenn and a bunch of other people with minecraft it's like the crazy lady at the front of the conference room with the vr headset on that everyone's like going who the hell is this and what is she talking about you know to now you know you have a whole book full of stories of people that you know are doing it so you're you know when you go back to isti or go back to fetc you're not the crazy lady with the vr headsets you're just you know showing people what is being done by other people right like that's that's like the cool difference between then and now isn't it it is i you know it's really about community um there's no one person that knows it all if anybody says that they're lying Nobody knows what's coming out. Every day we have new tools that are being introduced and things getting updated. It's it's constantly changing, which is probably why I love it because I, I never get bored. Um, but it is one of those things that it, it's about building the community to grow and to, you know, I ran into this problem. Anybody else run into this? What have you found? Or guess what I'm using? This is such a great tool. You know, you'll see Michael Dresick go in there and share crazy awesome things that he's doing and ever and hey i'm sharing this out with everyone feel free to take that template and run with it and i think that's the best part is that um that the support is there and that before you got more people on board and before people really saw the vision of this um you feel like you were fighting like you guys you know hey i'm fighting for this minecraft battle of what's possible in the classroom and um and then now you have so many people that have been willing to embrace it but the best part about it is nobody's coming in cold and nobody's coming in alone you know there's mm. so many other people that are willing and able to help share and support one another so um uh, it's a lot easier to implement now in the book, you bring to light the fact that the biggest hurdle for districts to embrace immersive technology is the lack of funding. And you mentioned that districts should seek out grants to purchase these technologies. So for our listeners, are there specific companies or organizations that you would direct them to, Jamie, for grant applications for AR or VR equipment? You know, that's an interesting point. I would say before you ever apply for grants, if they're going to get started, use the tools you already have available. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't mean that you have everything open available to you. It just means what can you do with the current technology you have right now? Um, I think that's oftentimes misunderstood because people go into it thinking they have to have a big budget to be able to use these. Many of the tools you don't. You don't have to have a budget at all. Um, you might leverage, you know, your BYOD and you may have your teacher device that you're using things with. So whatever that is, or, you know, even go into the lab and doing stuff in the computer lab. So all of those pieces, I think, come into play. But I think at the end of the day, um, when you do seek going and finding grants, because one is before you ever get there, have a plan, right? Um, mm. Just going out and buying what's marketing to you, bad idea. Ask everybody that bought the expedition kits right now yeah. because that's about to go away and everybody's yeah. like, what do I do? And I'm like, well, first off, I told you not to buy those kits, but that's besides the point. Don't, you know, oh. they were so overpriced. They were off brand Android devices. Like the whole deal was all a marketing scam, you know? And so I saw a lot of holes in it and, and the longevity of it. And then one is, you know, where do you go and get good access to all the apps that you want to have access to when you're very limited by what they've limited you to in it? But, you know, now you're in a situation where people can look and see that the tools should be flexible. Not yeah. Don't go out and buy something that just is for AR or just for VR. Have the flexibility to use this in a lot of variety of ways. Now, some people are very focused on the headsets. Okay, that's great. So you want to buy, you want to have a grant for the headset. Why do you want a headset? Well, cause the kids just want to put that into a, you know, that phone or whatever into a viewer. And that's so much more immersive. Okay. That gets old three, four times doing that. People get tired of putting stuff into a headset. Like they would rather just go like this and look around, then take it in and out, in and out, in and out. I mean, you start realizing kind of the practicality of what you actually need. And when you can identify what your students need, what's your objective, what's your goals, then you can really narrow down what you're trying to get in your grant. When you identified that yeah. and said, this is my needs, a lot of times I'm going to recommend looking at the foundation grants that you already have in your districts. 
those are the highest probability of actually getting something for your school mm. is using in-house grants. You know, that there's a lot of um, grants that are being offered in, in district or local or your conference. That is going to give you a much higher chance. Going out and trying to find something out there on the internet, you're going to be battling against a lot of other people that are putting in stuff and you're just going to put in one grant and you won't get it and then you get frustrated and never try again. So I really recommend trying to work with within your own district first before seeking out beyond for more choices there. I was thinking about this this um, point that you brought up about the... Um you know, the ecosystems that these companies are developing and, you know, the, the failure, I, I can't help but contrast, you know, the failure of the, the Google expedition, you know, the ecosystem there versus something like merge, um, where like the power of the merge cube, first off, it's a very inexpensive, you know, piece of equipment, you know, that you can get, but also it's it's powered by people like i mean people can create our our we have friends that have made app you can just make an app for merch merge cube um and almost anyone can do that and then so you have you know educators or little companies or whatever um that are just doing really innovative interesting things and it's an open system that allows you to contribute and and build right yeah, I mean, Merge would be an example. Early on, they had just this open um, SDK, open up for anybody to go out and create. Um, people started building on it, and a lot of companies kind of just did their own thing and had their own product. Merge just kind of tightened up on that and mm. not necessarily made their platform so open-ended. But the other side of that is that they partnered up with CoSpaces and made it to where people can actually develop and create a lot of incredible things. I mean, yeah. escape room inside of your merge cube, like that's just <laughs> right. such a crazy concept, but people are doing it. And so you have all of these really cool ways of using it in CoSpaces that they use coding and they're using the logic and they're using, you know, the uh, physics and all those aspects, including their 3D library of content. So while no, they're not necessarily opened up to companies per se, the mm. flexibility of our students building is absolutely open. Plus, Object Viewer is a free app where students can go in and de design whatever they want in 3D and they can yeah. upload that. And so to be able to use their products in that way, I 100% agree with you, Mike, that, you know, the creativity aspect is, is just enormous and the flexibility of what you can use it on. You have it on Android. You have it on iOS. Um, even CoSpaces allows you to view inside of, you know, VR headsets to view whatever you've built and created. The flexibility with CoSpaces is you can build on a Chromebook. You can build on your computer. So I really tend to be more focused on how cross-platform these tools can be because they're going to be able to reach more students at the end of the day. The companies that are just making something for a VR headset, that's great, but at the end of the day, you're going to reach a very small portion of our students out there because, you know, it's not always practical to bring in headsets and you, yeah. there's a lot of other things that you have to come up against. So the quantity that you have in your classroom and the options that you have, is just extremely limited, nor would I ever recommend that on a large scale. So there's just a lot of complications that come with that by using the tools that you already have available to you just makes the product so much easier to use. And they, they really do offer incredible things. I love co-spaces. It's cool. Um, so the reality, um, is that we're still in a situation in a lot of places in the United States in particular, where remote learning either is happening right now um, with schools still closed or hybrid or the possibility at frankly at any time um, my, my son's school my youngest son's school has had two cases in two days I mean we're on the verge of having his school shut down um, and that could happen at any time um, we're still not in the clear um, anywhere in the world except for maybe Israel if you want to go to Israel so I'm curious what you've heard from educators who want to continue to use immersive technologies 
while still teaching remotely or even in a hybrid? I'm curious if you have any anecdotes about how it went, what they used. Um, and I'm also curious um, what you might suggest educators look into if they're suddenly finding themselves or they're still teaching from home. Yeah, you know, it's, I have been doing this remote way before COVID ever hit. So I have done so many webinars with teachers and training and um, different experiences that can take place and hands-on engaging activities that didn't require us to be in person already. And I think that teachers just didn't realize that they can make that translate. Um, you know, just recently I had somebody ask me, um, hey, I want to use this in my classroom. I have this third grade class. What can I do? I'm like, everything. I mean, what can you not do, right? Like they're mm. everything. Well, <laughs> we don't have merge cubes. I can't get them out to everybody. Print them out. Well, you know, not everybody has printers. No worries. Have the school printed out. Have them send it out. It's free, you know? So um, it's, you know, mail them out. I mean, they're a sheet of paper if you yeah. want. Um, so you think about the flexibility of these tools. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody has access to all the right devices to function at the highest level of this technology. Um, you know, they're not going to be walking around in AR glasses or, you know, walking around with maybe an iPhone 12 to where they're 3D scanning things with LiDAR technology. But, you know, you have all of these different variations of what's possible. It doesn't mean you have to be at that level to use it. But, there are so many other applications that they can actually be using and, and apply. One of the things that I do often, I mean, if your students are getting on and they're working with you remotely and you're hopping on a video chat with them, bring them into a virtual reality meeting space. I mean, I've brought so many people into hubs, Mozilla hubs, completely free, uh, customizable. You can go in with spoke and customize your space, build it for your students or let them build it. You can go in there and interact by drawing, bringing in 3d objects. You can go in and bring video content. You can bring in your own screen if you want to bring it in, or you could just have the chat going. You can just talk through the microphone. I mean, the flexibility there, I can't tell you. So that actually the person that I just spoke to last week said, Hey, I want to do this with kids. And I was recommended to do jig space or this or that. And I'm like, that's great. What do you want to accomplish? Well, here's what we have. So then we start getting into the nitty gritty of it all. And it's like, oh, well, let's, I would highly recommend hubs. I mean, this sounds like the perfect, and really? Is that easy? Is that hard? It's easy. Just join in, let your kids take over, run with it. And apparently like they were all playing hide and go seek when they played last week. They done it next day. I mean, and so you have these different experiences that are possible right now. It's, we've all, we're all out of our, you know, we're all out of our, um, our norms right now. You know, this is, we're all having to come out of that and decide, you know, which direction we're going to go with our classroom. And we just cannot be stuck in that. We, we have to know that there's so many more possibilities for our students. They deserve to have interactions, engagements. We really need to embrace it, not for us but for them. So coming out of our comfort zone, I think is just a requirement at this stage and, and really should have been a requirement before COVID, but there's so much we can do because we are remote learning that maybe we wouldn't have been able to do because not everybody would have had a device before COVID. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe that's an option that we currently have that we wouldn't have had before. So, um, yeah, I think that, you know, honestly, everybody asked me that, well, what, you know, what if we're in remote setting? I'm like, huh, then you're in a better place than you were last year, you know, before COVID, probably most people are in a better technology situation and what they have access to right now than they did before. So let's embrace it. Let's jump in. Let's let our kids take over and, and see what's possible. It's not perfect, but it wouldn't be perfect if you didn't embrace it either. So go for it. Very true. Um, app smashing is the name of one of your chapters in the book. And that is a term that for us that have gone to uh, tech conferences, we've heard it's an that, old school term. That, that, that type of term. <laughs> um, and what are your favorite AR and VR tools to go ahead and app smash? I love this question. Um, so App smashing, just in case anybody's listening may not understand what that means, it essentially means you have your, you know, two different applications working together. So you create something in one application and pull it over into another. You 
in turn are customizing your experiences, which is the goal of that app smashing, right? Um, so the reason why I say app smashing is important in this situation is because we don't want to be dictated to how we use these tools. We don't want a company to tell us how to use them and what their vision of using this is. As a matter of fact, the best tools out there are the ones that have been, is a company that has listened to the feedback. Look at Google. Google isn't who they are because Google created everything. They took the feedback coming back from education, let's say, and then they actually put that into practice. So what we have with ARVR is very much like, hey, company, let me, you know, let me tell you, you have a great concept here, but boy, you have no idea what it's like to actually be in the classroom. You have no idea what our students are capable of creating and doing. And oftentimes they don't, they're not coming from education. They're coming from technology. So they are very much aware and ready and engaged with education. A lot of them are, the good ones are. Um, and so they're ready to hear and change and adjust, but we can't wait around for that, right? So app smashing in this case is going to be taking tools. Like I was just talking about the iPhone 12, um, that I've been doing a lot of LIDAR scanning. I I'm just, that's my right now, probably one of my favorite things about immersive technology is the capability of 3d scanning with my phone, um, 3d scanning scenes and spaces. So we had snow here in Texas and it was insane. We had snow for like over a week. It was like 10 days. It was really strange. Um, but you know, I was able to go out and scan the outside of my house and capture that snowman and i and then share it with Sketchfab. So I app smashed capturing it and that Polycam uh, app at the time, and then translating that and pushing that out to Sketchfab. And then guess what? Somebody else can open it up in Sketchfab and they can look at it and scroll around and view it from different perspectives, or they can look at it through augmented reality and place it in their living room or their classroom or their outside. And then they can walk into the space in my front yard and see that snow in Texas. I mean, I think those are the type of capabilities we need. There, if the app is not possible because nobody's created it, make it possible. Take what you love about all these different applications, combine them, make them all work together and customize what's necessary for your classroom. And I think that's, you know, we have a lot of opportunities to do that. I just don't think people always see that vision. They just hear what the, what the company recommends they do, but you don't have to be limited by that company's vision. You can do so much more. If you were going to smash an app, which apps would you smash? I've been thinking about saying that the whole time you were answering that question. Yes. Um, that, yeah, <laughs> I started to answer. I did Polycam and Sketchfab. But, you know, one of the things um, Scott Noons and I were just talking about a few weeks ago um, was talking about, you know, you, I don't know if you guys know anybody that does the 3D scanning and 3D printing of prosthetic limbs for students, right? Like the arm, right? So they, yeah. a great friend of mine, she's amazing, Joy Schwartz out of Texas. Um, she actually does 3D printing of the prosthetic limbs for students. She's done this years and years ago. She came and joined me on Global Maker Day to be able to, you know, share out how her students really were empowered to run with it. Um, and so one of the things that we have capabilities of doing now is actually using that 3D scanning tool on our phones and to be able to scan one arm and actually get all those dimensions without waiting for all the specifications oh. from somebody to go in and then taking the dimensions that have been scanned by one arm and duplicating it for the other, right? So the capabilities that we have today um, even just app smashing from, you know, taking something and LIDAR, you know, using this technology of these rays going in, these lasers going in, identifying exactly where things are placed, then translating that into three dimension with 3D printing, if you will, or even translating anything that we scan into that augmented reality or even virtual reality. The spaces we were talking about with co-spaces, I can actually upload 3D concepts that I've scanned and uploaded as my content. We, you know, I, I'm always saying 3D assets is a skill our students need to have. They need to know how to build that. But now they can scan it. I mean, they don't even have to go out and build it on a platform. They literally can scan what they have, customize whatever they scanned, and then upload it into these immersive experiences like 
hubs, you know, like working in a Mozilla hubs and saying, Hey, come in. I'm going to invite you into my space and we're going to go in and explore everything. It's going to be our museum of 3D scans. I mean, it's just, it's really endless what you can upload it into. But if all I'm limited to is that one thing, it's hard mm-hmm. to have the vision of where it applies across the board. Man, the things we can do. So let's play a game. And we're going to fire up the music for it. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a sort of rapid fire style challenge. Because if I know Jamie Donnelly, I know she's up for it. I'm going to name a subject area like science. And you're going to tell me one awesome thing I could do with immersive technologies. Any grade level um, you want. It would be sweet if you told us what grade level or wheelhouse of grades it was. For example, are you ready? Yeah, I have a cheat sheet too with my book. So oh, no. I'll, share, I'll share about that um, here <laughs> once we're done. But I absolutely will be flipping through this book because can't store it all in my brain. All right, number one, social studies. Okay, that's actually the first one I have listed here. Um, inside of the back of the book, I have ARVR resources, over 100 different resources, and I actually labeled everything according to subject, what, if it's an application that you need to download, or if it's something that's required like a VR headset or on the computer, web-based, if it's a creation tool, what special um, accommodations you need to consider, what grade levels it might be for, is this an AR, VR, or both? Um, and then I give a QR code and the website if you want to go into that. So all of these tools here, again, over a hundred different resources for you to scroll through because at the end of the day, everybody's coming from different situations and I just want to make sure maybe you walk away with one tool. So I'll just start off. The very first one I have listed is the 3D AR Maps by Mapbox, um, where you can actually go in and uh, use this map on your application, on your mobile device, you could type in anywhere in the world, anything that you could possibly imagine. You could type in an address, you could type in a place, you could type in a city, and it will show you the three-dimensional view. So you can place it in augmented reality on your table, you can look at it from all different angles, and you actually see the 3D aspect of wherever you just typed in, which is pretty stinking awesome. So that one's K-12, because that can apply to really any anything you're studying in social studies. Nice, all right, math. All right, let's see. That is always the hardest. Um, and I was a math teacher, that's why it's just not good. And, and you're gonna find very few. I think what you're probably gonna see a lot of the times in math is going to be surrounded either all, like it applies to every subject, or you're gonna find 3D uh, 3D objects, something that's gonna talk about three-dimensional objects. One of my favorites actually um, is a graph. It's called Graph Minted. Um, and that particular one where you can actually take 3D concepts of graphing and you could take any content from like a spreadsheet and you can highlight whatever you want in augmented reality, whatever content it shows up kind of as a spreadsheet on the ground, on the floor, on your table. You highlight whatever you want to graph and it will show you a variation of various graphs and it's all in three dimensional. So we're so used to seeing all of our math graphs in 2D. You know, what does that look like in 3D? What are, where mm-hmm. are those dots? And how is that three-dimensional look gonna be so different in understanding those concepts? And, and it's pretty cool. It sometimes shows, you know, if you are graphing something and you wanna see that 3D graph of, you know, when we think about higher level math, we wanna see some of those 3D, um, you know, vertices and uh, you wanna have those graphs coming out and showing various, um, you know, items, or it could be as simple as points on a on a bar graph, but it's now three-dimensional, so you're seeing it from a different lens. So I really like that one just because it gives you the flexibility of seeing um, math differently and, and in your space. So all of a sudden, it just takes it from this disconnected number, I don't know how to relate to that, to something that actually arrives and appears in your space to make connections to. All right, science. 
Well, everything. <laughs> what isn't out there? Um, you know, I'll say 4D anatomy is incredible. My husband's a science teacher, um, and I love this one because uh, while it does have ads, unless you decide not to have those ads and pay for that, um, it, it is down at the bar, at the bar of the screen, and it is something that I think... Um, is you don't even notice it's there. You're so engaged with what you see. But 4D Anatomy actually puts a person standing in the center of your space. And you can then layer based upon what you want to see, the different layers of the body systems. So you can separate them all out and it shows layer by layer by layer by layer, all standing next to each other and side mm. by side. Um, you can then tap on each one and, and really go in and zone in on them individually. Um, I, my husband has used that for anatomy and seventh grade science quite a bit. The students really are engaged with that. And I think again, going back to understanding how the body functions and being able to pull apart that skin from the nervous system or you know those different seeing them all separate but still being able to combine them back together uh, and seeing them transparent so you can actually have a kid stand up next to it or put it layered with the student and being able to make those connections i mean i think that's just you just can't do it without that kind of technology even if i have a you know skeleton standing next to me it does not give you the same concept as being able to walk around it put it on a student actually see all those body systems spread apart that's awesome okay last one is music okay it's called beatsy and this particular one actually takes sound and it visualizes it. So if I take music and I'm playing it in the background, Beatsy puts a beat, like a like what you would see on your speakers, and you know the vibrations you see of the vibrations on your speaker. Like a visualizer. Yes, yes. And it places it on the floor, and it actually ripples on your ground with the oh. sound of the music. And you can create the higher pitch and what would happen you can slow it down and you can see the ripples going slower you could speed it up so you take any song if you're singing it or if you're playing music on the outside or if you're uploading that music and you actually see it visualized i just think one the accessibility maybe for our deaf students that can't hear the music that need to see the music. Mm -hmm. I think I just think there's so much application for that, but to be able to place that on the brick, I actually placed it on the brick um, during Christmas time um, in December, and I placed it on the brick in front of my fireplace, and my dog, I kid you not, this is happening in augmented reality. I have it on video, it's on my YouTube channel. My dog walks up to exactly where it's rippling on the brick in augmented reality. I'm standing from 10 feet back, and she's sniffing the spot where it's rippling. It ah. is so freaky. I'm like, how does she know? Like, uh, you got to watch the video. But it's one of those things where um, there's so much uh, that I think somebody can gain from more than just hearing it, but actually seeing it too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Jamie, uh, how can teachers connect with you online and where can we purchase this new book of yours? That's, you know, I've been um, sending out updates daily. Right now I have an event called 31 Days of AR, VR, and EDU. So every March, because I'm so crazy, I put out a blog post about new tools or updates that are coming out. And right now we're in the heat of it. Um, so there are resources coming out. So as I've been sending out notifications about those different various apps or updates that are, that are available to us um, by email, I'm also notifying people about the book because it has not been accessible through Amazon. So even though the book was released, they ran out of stock, which is awesome. Um, but, you know, frustrating too, because I want to get that out to people. Uh, you can certainly get it through ISTE. ISTE's going to have it. They're the ones that are shipping it out to Amazon. And then you can also get it on Amazon. I also have all of those links on my website at arvrandedu.com. So you can go back and find that. Um, and then you'll find me on different social channels, but I will tell you, I, I just, you know, there's so much out there on my website, on the blogs, anything that I ever present on, I always say, go back to the blog because I have a full blog on how to use it, you know, different resources to connect it with, um, step-by-step here's a video of how it works. So people can go in from any subject, any grade level, and there's mm -hmm. so many tools out there. 
really because of 31 days of ARVR and EDU that has just collected so many resources the past few years. So um, I would highly recommend subscribing if you want to get you know notified of updates or checking out the blog and just going in and finding that content because I think it's it's really valuable for classrooms. Amazing. Jamie Donnelly, thank you so much for joining us. It was great. Thank you, guys. This is Ava Gay Blackford, another facilitator within the Teach SDGs community. I believe that education is the most powerful force to encourage human rights and dignity, to wipe out poverty and strengthen sustainability, to build a better future for all. I think others should join this community because it creates a support network for members and serves as a global gathering place for teachers to share stories and support one another as we all figure out what learning looks like during the current global pandemic. To access hundreds of resources about the global goals and to connect with almost 1,000 educators around the world, join the free Teach the Global Goals community. Visit go.participate.com slash global goals to get started. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out Participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.